Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today on The Grave Talks, Ghost Biker Explorations. A conversation with Miranda Young. Miranda Young's fascination with the paranormal has been a lifelong journey rooted in her early days that were spent reading books about ghosts and folklore at the local library. In 2013, Miranda delved into paranormal investigations with a dedicated team. She wore multiple hats as a photo analyst, video, audio evidence producer, marketing specialist, and investigator. But Miranda's love of jumping on her motorcycle and exploring on her own led her to document her solo adventures, and that began Ghost Biker Explorations, a web series. While she enjoys investigating well-known places, Ghost Biker Explorations dives into a world of ghost stories in small towns and overlooked corners. Through this series, you can join Miranda as she travels through towns highlighting these overlooked places, recounting their stories, and investigating the locations by herself. All by herself. Today on The Grave Talks, Ghost Biker Explorations, a conversation with Miranda Young. You are a very interesting woman to me because... When I saw Ghost Biker, I hate to say this because I don't want to sound sexist, but I am a woman. <laughs> and I thought, dude, it's a guy. And then right? I was so excited it was a woman. It's you. What you do, I, I find fascinating. You combine your love of motorcycles, of history, of the paranormal, travel, I'm going to guess. Yes. And you put that all together and you come up with Ghost Biker Explorations, which is a web series that you do. I love the whole approach to that. One thing that I thought of immediately was logistics and equipment and how do you get everything you need on a bike to go do an investigation? That's and that's a great question, but you know, 
from what I find, it actually really helps me because a lot of the time we can tend to get kind of lost in all the equipment. There's always new equipment and new techniques and stuff that are coming out all the time. And I love a new piece of equipment as much as anybody else, but doing it on my motorcycle really allows me to really plan my investigation out and really kind of plan my trigger items and then the tools that I'm going to take on that investigation. Also, the way I investigate, typically I'm a solo investigator, although there are times where I do have a camera person that's following me. And that's it's typically the extent unless I'm doing a collaboration. And so if I'm doing a really large location, I'll take my basics with me on the motorcycle and then my camera person will sometimes take some of the larger pieces that uh, potentially I'm not able to fit in my saddlebags and backpack. And you used to be on a team, a paranormal team at one point. How different is that? It's got to be night and day. To be, number one, just the nerve I think it would take to go into a location on your own. You don't have any backup there. I mean, if you do have a videographer, they're there for that reason. Mm -hmm. But it's got to be very different to go out and do it on your own. It really is. There's there's a lot of positives and negatives to it. Um, you know, I did start with a team. Uh, I cut my teeth with an amazing team that had been investigating for a long time. So they showed me a lot of different tools and techniques. And so we had, um, I was with the team for about eight years. And I found that essentially I was kind of going out on my, my own and doing a lot of urban exploration and a lot of investigation when the team wasn't investigating or when they couldn't get together. And so um, one of the things I found, you know, I really don't get scared very easy or anything like that. But when I keep my numbers small to either just myself or my videographer, it's a lot easier to account for noise contamination, mm -hmm. uh, light pollution, and really just all the variables around that can essentially affect an investigation. Because essentially the human mind is not very good whenever they're in a heightened situation. And so there's times where you, if you have a large group of people, sometimes people will whisper or move or do something. And it sounds and looks very different in the heat of the moment. Well, when it's just myself and a videographer, it's a lot easier to account for that. Now, I would probably say one of the uh, downsides to it is that you, you constantly have to be creative. Um, Whenever you're in these locations, I tend to feed really well off of other people if we're asking questions and, and doing different uh, techniques and such. I find that when I'm by myself, I have to either try to kind of plan out or, um, you know, you just don't have that other person or other people to go back and forth when you're in a situation. Plus, the energy distribution is different. Um, I can account for my energy when I go in. I try to go in very calm, centered, and focused on my goal that I have in mind. But when you have other people, you know, you don't, you don't know if somebody's having a bad day or if they've got anxiety or something going on. So they're bringing this other energy in. But when you're by yourself, not only can you account for that, but you also have to consider there's not, if you are in a more negative type location mm. or a location that has a heavier energy, there's no one else to bounce that off of. You're kind of taking all of that on. So 
it does really change things. And, and there, you know, like I said, there's a lot of different positives and negatives to that. Personally, I can't imagine going into a place and investigating by myself because I just think I would get so wrapped up in my own brain. What was that? What was that? That I think I would have a hard time focusing. Do you ever find that it you do get distracted and it's hard to? And sometimes that's, that's I, a good question. Sometimes I think that the spirits that you do encounter are trying to distract you too. That's that's a very good point, and I have found that at different locations. Um, that, you know, sometimes they are trying to distract you. Sometimes, you know, we go in with trigger items, but essentially there are times that, um, you know, they try to trigger you. And so um, you do really have to watch that sort of thing. Um, I, I haven't really had a huge problem as far as focusing on my task, but a lot of the time when I go into a location, I like to let the location sort of tell me where to start and where to Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I like to get a feel for it. So while I do try to plan, plan my tools and techniques and, and sort of have a game plan in mind, I don't like to just get in there and get started uh, with the investigating. I'll go in, I'll start a recorder, I'll start filming B-roll and doing a lot of the things that I need to do when I'm producing my episodes and then um, really kind of let myself acclimate to the location and then really essentially let the location kind of acclimate to me as well. And then I find that a lot of the time I may have a plan to start in one place, but once I get there, the location really has something else in mind. And so um, I really just try to go with it. A lot of the time I do also find that I think, and I think I'm not really different in the in the respect that a lot of people, they'll go in and say, oh, I wish I had done this or I had intended to do that. And I just didn't have time. I think that's a pretty common thing. And I know I do experience that from time to time where I'll go in and have intentions of doing one thing. But I feel if you just listen to the location, you're rewarded by communication and activity that you might not have actually expected if you had gone in and and just had everything completely planned out, if that makes sense. How long have you been doing paranormal investigations? By yourself I've, or I've, with a group? I've formally been investigating for, I would say, um, just under 15 years. Uh, I've always had an interest in the paranormal. A lot of my interest actually came from the storytelling side of things and the history, the local legends, and the travel that's involved with that. And um, I really, it's it's kind of funny how I, I got really involved with actual investigating was... Um, I was at a job I used to work at and the HR director, he saw that I had a background in photography. And so he reached out to me one day when we just happened to be passing in the hall and said, uh, I'd like to send you some some pictures. And he said, you know, don't look at me like I've got three heads, but they're a little bit different than what you might normally be want to look at. And so I said, sure, go ahead and send them on. And so he had sent me some photos from a paranormal investigation that he and his team had done at a residential location. And so, of course, that sparked a lot of questions from me because I wanted to know, you know, why did you take these particular images? What camera did you use? Um, flash and, and uh, you know, just a lot of different questions as to 
how he took these photos. And so um, one photo turned into two and two turned into 10. And I think I'd probably looked at about 30 photos. And he essentially wanted me to come up with a logical explanation or to essentially debunk some of the images that they had gotten. And so um, he ended up inviting me to go on an actual investigation with the team. And that was of a local bar in Marina there in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And so went on that investigation because I had watched all the shows and, and had an interest in the paranormal since I was a kid. But to truly go on that investigation and be able to hear the disembodied voices and actually be touched for the first time and see the equipment respond, that was something that I instantly was bit by the bug, I guess, as soon as as soon as that happened. And um, these guys were very experienced. They gave me a recorder that night and let me actually review my own evidence and stuff. So it was a very, very immersive and hands-on experience. And that night, um, we did hear some really cool disembodied voices, and I was touched for the first time. Uh. And so... Um, <laughs> We ended up, but uh, I reviewed my evidence and, you know, to hear some of these voices that we responding intelligently that I, we didn't hear in the moment, that just, it was, I'll never forget that feeling. It was like, almost like a sick feeling, but then like a kick in the gut, but then a, a boost of adrenaline too. And so they ended up having me review some more photos and letting me go on a couple more investigations and they ended up inviting me to join the team. And so being where we were located there in Chattanooga, there's a lot of different uh, residential homes there that have a lot of activity based on uh, the Civil War and different skirmishes and stuff that were fought in that area. So we were essentially investigating somewhere about every month. We were either doing residentials or we were doing commercial locations. And so I was with the team for about eight years and I did their marketing, their content creation as far as putting videos and evidence out for the team. And then also just uh, their photo analysis and regular uh, regular investigating. I could see having that experience when you first went out with them and being touched, which kind of gave me, you heard me, I was like, oh, um, <laughs> it's going to go one of, one of two ways. Either you're running out of the building or you're like, I've got to do this again. I could see that. That's the two yes. options, really. And yes. for you, it was like, I've got to do this again. Did you ever have growing up any paranormal experiences before then or things that had happened that you couldn't really explain? You know, I, a lot of investigators have stories about growing up in haunted houses and, and such. But to be completely honest, uh, mine comes from the storytelling side. And mm -hmm. so growing up here in the Appalachian Mountains, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother who lived next door listening to her tell stories about growing up in the early 1900s here in the Appalachians. And so she was one of those, she lived by the farmer's almanac. She could predict the weather based on, you know, the signs and such. And she, um, you know, she would tell stories here in the Appalachians. We call them, we call them haints and boogers which would be haunts and cryptids, basically. And so she shared a lot of those stories and a lot of the uh, folklore. So I was really, really interested from a very young age 
And then my dad, uh, my parents were teachers, and my dad, every weekend and then during the summer, we would go out riding on the back roads uh, just in his old truck. And he would basically share stories about the way the towns and the way the areas of the community used to be, or essentially the ghosts of the past. And so I really, really fell in love with the history and the folklore of the area. And so I spent as much time as I could in the libraries trying to read as many books on Appalachian folklore and haunts of the area. And then also talking to some of the different old timers and listening to their stories. And so um, I think that probably my very, very first experience was when I was in kindergarten. And, you know, we had the best librarian there because she always shared the story about the murder that had took place in our school back in the 1920s. And so in 1928, they were showing a movie at our school um, here in Appalachia, a lot of the buildings, they doubled for different purposes. So our school actually doubled as a movie theater back then. And so um, one of the uh, local deputies ended up going to a movie to serve a warrant that night. And he ended up shooting the local doctor and um, his partner while they were there at the movies. And so this was a story that our librarian told for as long as as she was a librarian there, which was many, many years. And so most people knew about this story and knew how our, our elementary school was supposed to be haunted. It was said that you could hear phantom gunshots, phantom laughter, because the movie they were showing that night was a comedy, um, and that you could also hear what would sound like a, a movie playing. And so um, I can remember as a kid, um, it had to be kindergarten, first grade, getting together with friends and, you know, daring each other to, to go up to that room where the, where the shooting had taken place and listening to see if we heard anything. And then, of course, growing up, um, we would go to cemeteries and go to uh, different areas that was rumored to be haunted. As far as having anything that really stands out, um, that didn't really and truly happen until I really started looking for it and uh, doing more formal investigating with the team. I think that's so interesting that your teacher was telling you those stories at that tender age. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you think about it now. If your kid came home and was like, hey, did you know that this guy got shot and our school is haunted? And I think some parents would be mortified <laughs> over hearing those stories. But it, it's, you know, times it's have true. changed. <laughs> And it's it's funny. Um, it just shows the difference in being a child of the 80s, I guess. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, I do actually go and speak to the, uh, the the school was Robbins Elementary. And at one point in time, at that point in time, they had a high school in there. And so uh, for the last couple years, I've actually gone to the Robbins alumni and spoke about uh, some of the different the history and events that's taken place there at the old school with people who graduated from that school from the 50s. I think the last year that they had people there was maybe the early 70s, either early 70s or late 60s, and spoke to some of those um, older generation that graduated from the school. And it's interesting because most of those people, they could name, you know, all the people who were involved and 
It was just a a very common story there in the community, but even more so with with the librarian who uh, made sure at Halloween she was always sharing that story. (laughs) So I think it's so interesting how you were able to take your love of these stories, your love of history, your love of the paranormal, and add in your love of motorcycles. And you've kind of turned this into ghost biker explorations and you can watch the web series and you can see it. I watched on your website. Yes. So, and YouTube probably as well. I'm going to guess. Mm -hmm. Yes. On, uh, on my website, I've actually, we just finished season six and did it a little bit different. So I've got to get those episodes put up on the website, but, um, yes, you can watch it on Ghostbiker Explorations Facebook page, YouTube channel, and ghostbikerexplorations.com. And so how do you decide where to go? You know, you're going to get on your bike and go someplace. Do you kind of look around the smaller towns where in the area? How far away do you go? Is it because you heard a story maybe and you want to kind of get some background on it? Where do you, how so, do you make that decision? So I get it from several several different different places. Um, essentially, what what started Ghost Biker was the fact that uh, I was riding my motorcycle to different locations while we were doing our investigations, and so um, you know it kind of started as a joke with a friend. Um, Because I was saying, you know, the motorcycle really calms me and centers me. And I can't think of a better way, you know, to to travel to an investigation. And so in a conversation with a friend, she was like, you know, I would I would watch that. And so kind of started thinking about it. And I was really going to a lot of places on my own uh, when we weren't investigating. I was out traveling. Um, but I love reading the books that uh, different local, and when I say local, I mean local to the specific area, not specifically here, but to the, mm. the more re- regional locals. And so um, I like reading those stories about some of the different local legends and, and local folklore in the area. And then also while I'm out traveling, it's not uncommon for somebody to come up to me and say, hey, have you visited Crybaby Bridge or, you know, such and such tunnel or, you know, the Cragmiles Mausoleum or somewhere of that nature. And so then it's like, well, no, tell me about that. And so I spend a lot of time. I'll go back. I'll listen to the stories that people have told and then I'll go and I'll start researching. And so I'll research as much as I can online. But for me, if I can go to the area, talk to people, visit the historical archives, that's what I really like doing. And then seeing if I can not necessarily prove, but see if we can get activity relating to the story. And so each episode of Ghost Biker is is three parts. And the first part is the travel, where I like to talk about the specific area, because I like to give some type of interesting facts or something to drive people to that area that they may not have, have ever heard of. And then, and then I tell the story as to why I'm there. That's always the most, the key, most important part, and usually takes up about at least ten minutes of my episode. And then I show the investigation. If we get something, that's just kind of the cherry on top because 
Um, I like to pick stories that are interesting enough that even if we don't get activity, people will still find it interesting about the location itself. And so, um, so I get a lot of the stuff just from, just from the research, uh, or just from reading. And now since I've, since we're getting ready to uh, start season seven, um, people, have have heard of what I do so I will have people reach out to me and and uh, tell me about different places so I know that several places that I'm doing for the next season are ones that uh, people have already reached out and said hey have you have you heard about this as far as the distance that I travel I'll I'll actually travel all over um if uh you know if it's somewhere that um, has an interesting enough story I'm more than happy to pack up my bike and and head out there and see what we can find. Oh, I was just going to ask, you know, if it was far enough away, would you just say, I'll fly? We're going to do this one by car. But you will actually, and probably sometimes you need more equipment maybe. Yes, yes. Now I did, um, uh, I was asked to speak out in South Dakota and um, just this past fall. And so I did fly out there and saw so many amazing locations while I was out there that I'm wanting to go back and and film. Um, In the essence of time, because I may be filming multiple episodes out there, what I may actually end up doing is, and I've done this in several other times, is once I get out there, actually rent a bike. Yeah, And that that way I can still ride. Um, This season, we did things a little bit different, uh, and it was kind of due to some time constraints, but I actually did every single episode live. And with that... um, I didn't get to travel to every single location by motorcycle because I was traveling every Tuesday during the month of October. So, um, so it really just de- depends if I can knock out a couple locations and it's, I don't want to say fairly close, but within, you know, a day's day's ride, that sort of thing. Uh, I will, I will try to ride the motorcycle if I can. And then there's times I've also trailered the bike in, in certain instances. I would think for you, time is always an issue because, it is. because you're traveling to a location. Well, first, you know, you've got to do your research on the story, the location, where you're going. You got to travel there. And then with a paranormal investigation, you're spending however many hours at the location, but then you have to go back and review all of your evidence you've gathered And then you're also doing video on top of that. So there's editing and putting the videos together. It's that's a lot. It's a whole lot. (laughs) And um, being being a solo investigator, that's where that's where it does get tricky um, because my episodes are self-produced. And so what I like to do is I always like to say, depending on. I, I kind of know how long it takes me to edit an episode, but like what I'll do is if I pick a location and, you know, some of, a lot of these locations are, some of them are commercial locations. Others are locations that have either never been investigated before or have been investigated by, by only just a few people. And so, um, so I will spend, I like to say if I'm going to be spending X amount of time at 
the location investigating, then I want to triple that for my research. Mm -hmm. And so I do have static cameras that I do set up. And so, and then also static recorders. And then I have my camera and then I always have a mobile recorder with me. And so I think I have like eight little static cameras that are battery powered that I place throughout. So if I'm at a location for say 12 hours times that by eight, that's a lot of, of footage to have to go through. Most of my footage does come from either where I fl film vlog style or have my camera person filming. So a lot of the footage does come from there, but, um, but you never know what's going to happen. And sometimes I sleep at the location. So we've got static footage for that. Um, but I have to go back, review it, and then put the episodes together. And so the way my season releases is it releases during the month of October. It usually comes out every Tuesday in October. And, uh, and then it's followed up on Thursday nights by a live show where we go in and we kind of dissect the episode and I take questions because I don't want to spend my real estate of, of um, my video describing what I'm doing. I, I like to yeah. save that because I like to keep the episodes fairly short between 20 and 40 minutes. And so, um, so we'll do a live stream and we'll we'll talk about everything and kind of break it down because a lot of the people who watch the show are not necessarily paranormal investigators. My my largest demographic are bikers and and uh, history enthusiasts. With paranormal uh, investigators being my third largest demographic, and so um, so I do find that that worked well for me to release in October because I have all year to go through and put the episodes together and do the research and review. And, and I have to say, I'm usually coming down to the wire because it takes so much time to do all of that. That's funny. Cause and, I had just thought of that. Cause you said, then I have the year and I'm like, it would still be a crunch <laughs> at the it's at still, go time. It really is. And there's times if I can bank episodes and like get several places in to investigate, I try to do that. But I kind of don't really like banking as much because then you forget about mm -hmm. things. You you get far removed from the moment. It it really is a year-round process. Um now I did find this this is really kind of crazy. I used to do live streams all the time when I was with the team. And I found this season that, um, and again, I did it because of, because of work and expanding with where I work and such. Um, I thought I'm not going to have the opportunity to travel like, like I was. And so to sort of remedy that, I thought, okay, I'm going to do each episode live. And the original game plan was, so I had picked locations. I always try to theme my season. And so this season was either uh, haunted villages, homesteads, or um, heritage museums. And so, um, and also each of these locations were either, I think there was only one that is that actually hosts investigations at this time. All of the others have either had a team in every now and then, but their primary funds are from daytime, um, daytime tours. And so 
I wanted to kind of let a different audience know about these locations and also see if, uh, you know, see if some of the paranormal claims were true. So we had, we did some really unique places. And so the original idea was to come in, host a two hour live stream and then investigate for two hours without being, you know, uh, without being live. And then I would re-release it at a later date with, the evidence snipped down with what we had caught during the live and then the unseen footage. So it would really essentially give me more content throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really wild because by the end of the season, so by the end of October, we actually ended up investigating at um, that particular episode was in Renfro Valley, Kentucky, which uh, was the Renfro Valley Entertainment Center up near the Kentucky Music Hall of Fame and the uh, entertainment venue up there. And so during that investigation, by the time the live stream was over, it had reached 2.3 thousand people. We had 300 people on the live interacting with me. And um, within a week over it had had over 25,000 views and so um i was really kind of blown away by that because it was so different because these were kind of i don't want to say a one and done because i'm now working on um the the re-release and going through the evidence from the live and from when i or when i investigated not live which i think those are going to release in february it just kind of goes to show how plans change because each of these lives from the original expectation, there was one of the locations we were live for four hours and people were interacting the entire time. So I'm hoping that this kind of changes the scope just a little bit where I'm doing more lives throughout the year at some of these places and then re-releasing some, some episodes as we go. At first, I had when I used to do the lives all the time, I would keep keep the location secret until the the season came out. But I found it's really hard in the ever changing social media landscape mm-hmm. of things to really stay relevant and stay found when you're only releasing episodes five times a year or five episodes one time a year in October. Right. Um, so I think that this may be the solution to kind of keeping that relevance and that the algorithm and that sort of thing, um, because it's almost like the because um, my episodes, they're very well produced. Um, they take they a are. lot of time to do that, you know, and so, again, to stay on everyone's radar of uh, once you release in it's it's so fast paced now so once you release there in october by the time november rolls around people have moved on to to other things right. you know so um so i'm hoping that this kind of changes a little bit and uh, but still keeps the produced episodes but doing more lives And that wraps up part one of our conversation with Miranda Young about ghost biker explorations. In the next episode, we'll talk about some of the locations she's explored on her own. 
You can watch her YouTube channel or visit her website at ghostbikerexplorations.com. If you'd like access to all of our episodes, including the archive and advanced episodes, get everything commercial free, become a gravekeeper. Sign up on Apple Podcasts where you can try it for three days free. You could also sign up on patreon.com slash the grave talks. I'm Carol Hughes. And for all of us at the grave talks, thank you so much for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.